Trivia Music Show of your favorite pop stars. Hey, hey, what's good, everybody? We are back with another episode of Pop Muse, the pop music trivia show of your favorite stars. And if it's your first time joining us, we scour the internet and find lesser known facts about some of the big names, legends, mega stars. Or, of course, some cool cats from the international and national stage to fill you in on. And let's see at the end of this episode if you know as much as you think you know about some of these icons in music. I'm TJ Reed, and today I got with me in the studio a collaborator of mine, a Beijing psychotherapist, a loyal pop muse fanatic, and the holder of the 2010 Golden Mike Award in China, my brother Liu Yan. What's going on, man? Well, thanks, TJ. That was a lovely introduction, and I have to say, my favorite part is the loyal listener of Pop Muse. You got that one correct for sure. Yes, sir. So, what's up, man? You got somebody special you want to share with us today? Oh, super, super special. All right. I think he is my idol growing up, and he is no longer active singing these days, but he will remain my idol forever. So、mm. that goes to show how important this guy is. Oh wow! Okay, so definitely somebody that you should introduce to our listeners and to me because I want to know. I guess I want to know what kind of idol you hold on to at this stage of your life. For me, I got somebody that's really special. For me, also at a time when music was making a big change, and I think today this person has evolved with the times and is still making magnificent music. So really, really big in the world of hip hop, R and B, and it's a name that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. So I'm just I'm not going to drop too much right now because <laughs> for those of you who are not aware of Mr. Liu's knowledge in pop music,、um, he's a loyal listener. He listens to everything, and he can pretty much guess who we're going to talk about before the end of the trivia. So I don't want to drop too much knowledge right now because I have a feeling that he might get it. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A lot of pressure, so I better get this one right. <laughs> And if he doesn't, I'll give him a hard time. But for those of you, just a quick disclaimer here, guys. Before we get started, everything that we find for the show is completely internet-based, which can be erroneous. So bear with us on some of these quote-unquote facts. And if there are any inaccuracies, please reach out to us, and we'd love to hear from you. So now that that's out of the way, man, why don't we、uh, get started with this <laughs> trivia? Let's get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So fact number one, and this is according to thefamouspeople.com and also Wikipedia. This artist was born into a family of five. All right, his father worked at Amtrak. Amtrak. Yeah, and his mother ran a homeless shelter.、Hmm. So, yeah, that's a kind of a different background. So his parents were not in the music world at all. At the age of fourteen, this artist worked at a famous American seafood franchise called Red Lobster.、Mm -hmm. And I remember at one time, this place was—I mean, this was the spot. If you said that you, you know, had a date, or if you're going to Red Lobster, you know, people's eyebrows would go up. They'd be like, "Oh, this guy's got deep pockets." <laughs> Fancy.、Know? It's just a really classy kind of place at one time. Now it's just you know like a franchise, like the rest of them, a fast food place. But anyway, so that's where he started back in the day. According to this source, one of his colleagues accidentally shot him with a gun, Ooh. and he was paralyzed for nine months. 
I don't know how you can accidentally shoot somebody. It doesn't say like if this guy was working with him at Red Lobster, if he shot him at Red Lobster mm -hmm. or like if this was just something they were out hanging out and this happened. But yeah, he got shot and was paralyzed for nine months. And it must have been something that affected an entire side of his body because during this time he learned to DJ with his left hand. So I guess, you know, like most people are right handed. So he had mm. to, you know, uh, I'm not sure. Again, I don't know where he shot him. I don't know how that happened. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, most people, I mean, in the world of hip hop, I mean, getting shot isn't something that's that novel. But, you know, it's just by a colleague, <laughs> by a colleague. That's right? the first time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I wonder if these guys are still buddies, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm betting not. Anyway, around that time, he collaborated with a high school friend and rapper. And I, I want to give this guy's name, but it would just reveal this entire trivia. So I cannot do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't do it. I get it. And this could be a big clue here for some hardcore fans. He joined a record company upon, you know, hooking up with this rapper from high school. They joined a record company called Surrounded by Idiots. <laughs> Surrounded by Idiots. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that, too. <laughs> All right. So that's it for fact number one. Um, let's go to fact number two. And this is from the same sources, Wikipedia and the famous people. Also around this time frame, he linked up with one of his other future collaborators. Big name in hip hop. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so she introduced him to Devante Swing. All right. And this is the guy that formed the band Jodeci from mm. the 90s. So really popular back in the day and he had a record label called the swing mob okay and then this group had some really big names to it and again i can't really say anyone from this group because if i say that then you're going to pretty much know who i'm talking about today <laughs> and it was there that he met a number of other collaborators that were signature in his music and he went on to produce their number one albums and hits bringing himself to stardom in that era Oh, another side fact here. Mm -hmm. His cousin is Pharrell Williams, <laughs> who's also part of SBI or Surrounded by Idiots. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know how I would feel being a part of a group or a record label being called Surrounded by Idiots. Because I mean, who's the idiot? I mean, that's certainly not me. <laughs> Pretty awesome. How are you doing over there? Yeah, I think I'm doing okay. Julian's just kind of looking up in the air, which is awesome. It means he has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could be pretending. You never know. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's always that possibility. All right, all right. So let's keep going. Fact number three, same sources. In the 1990s, he had developed a signature sound that made him a much sought after and often imitated hip hop and rhythm and blues producer. He used original beats rather than samples to create a complex syncopated rhythm and complemented them with background rapping or obscure sounds. And he used a lot of different things in the background of his music that I think was quite experimental and a lot of other producers didn't use. And this could be a really big clue for a lot of the fans out there. But like a, like a whining horse, this would be something that he would use in the background and you know, a Godzilla screech or whatever. Oh. I mean, all kinds of different things. So he was really experimental there. Among his long list of accolades are hits he produced for artists like Kanye West, Bryson Tiller, Madonna, Beyonce, Katy Perry, 
uh, Zayn, Mariah Carey, Rihanna, Sam Smith, Maluma, uh, Nelly Furtado, Carrie Hilson, uh, Brad Paisley. Is it Paisley? Brad Paisley, the country star. Okay. So he's crossing over there. Coldplay, Nickelback, The Fray, Destiny's Child, Ludacris, Jodeci, Snoop Dogg, Drake, Alicia Keys, and just the list goes on and on. He's worked with pretty much everyone in the game across all kinds of different genres. Um, he's experimental with his style, as I mentioned before, and he's even crossed over to produce an, um, an album titled, and this is probably, ah, you know what? I don't think I'm going to hold this back. Okay. <laughs> You're trying really hard not for me to get this right. Yeah, I but it does, it's, uh, it's, it's really hard because this guy is a juggernaut. And as usual in the show, as we progress, the facts get get a lot more obvious. And uh, in 2006, he founded his own record label called Mosley Music Group. Yep, yeah, yeah. That's a very there's a nod over there from uh, Liu Yan. I think he knows who I'm talking about. He produced Madonna's twelfth studio album called Hard Candy, released back in 2008, and it debuted at number one in 37 countries, and it was the 11th best-selling album worldwide in 2008. So yeah, it just keeps going on and on. I mean, he's got into video games, Rockstar Games. He he had a game called um, the Beaterator that he helped with uh, making uh, the music for that. But also with the fame comes a little bit of controversy. You've got some issues that come up. And at one time, this artist was uh, accused of plagiarism or using different elements from certain places and didn't cite the source. And so, yeah, back in 2007, he had a song that had some copyright issues. He had a song with Jay-Z and the song was called Versus. And this song had a problem. I think it's kind of tough when you're somebody who's making music or even art or whatever, any type of artwork that you do. I think that the inspiration is going to come from somewhere. It's yeah. um, to, We take things from different places that we've been, that we've heard, artists that have inspired us, sounds. So it's not unusual that he would probably get some inspiration from somewhere. But I guess in this litigious world that we live in, you have to cite wherever you get everything from, especially when you are a, you know, a big producer like this guy. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think creativity comes from all places. And sometimes you yourself don't even remember, oh, where did I hear that first? Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> I can certainly sympathize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2015, he ventured into TV production as the executive music producer for the soap opera Empire. And this show was, you know, back at that time was a huge hit. I didn't really like the show, to be honest. I mean, it was it had a, an all star cast. I mean, it had some good actors and actresses in it, but it just, you know, it was a predominantly like African-American cast. But it just kind of reinforced a lot of the negative stereotypes mm. in black people. So, yeah, for me, it, 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 it put a bad taste in my mouth. But yeah, anyway, I, I really like that show the first season, but then it just went downhill from there yeah I don't, I don't even think i made it out of the first season it was just really really tough for me uh but anyway moving right along we're, we got the last fact here this is fact number five and this is according to this artist's official website and wikipedia 
He recently launched his very own masterclass series, and this is an online course for production and beat making, which is fast becoming an online phenomenon for a lot of uh, aspiring producers and artists across the globe. And this class covers like a lot of topics, sampling, structure, melody, vocals, effect, all of these things that will make you a pretty decent uh, music producer. I'm not even into producing music at this point of my life, but I love this artist so much. I'm even just thinking about taking a class or a course just to see how the magic happens because mm. that's something that we all can kind of you know jive with all over the world no matter where you're from if there's a good beat everyone is going to you know bounce in their chair they're going to get up you know it's just something that it's it's infectious all over the planet and having a, an ability or a skill to be able to make music because I mean, even in the industry that we're in right now, we have to spend money on you know different companies to get the rights to certain songs and music. And if you could just make it yourself, I mean, that is just it's something that uh, it's it's priceless. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. <laughs> I'm very interested in this masterclass as well, <laughs> so I'm thinking of signing up. We'll see about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well. I got a couple more facts for you here. This artist is dubbed the Emperor of Sound, and he's gotten over 18 Grammy nominations, four Grammy wins, and over 200 ASCAP Music Awards. But productions, I mean songs, he's done songs with Jay-Z, Dirt Off Your Shoulder, Justin Timberlake, Sexy Back, Cry Me A River, Aaliyah's One In A Million, Missy Elliott's Super Duper Fly, one of my favorite albums. Mm, me too. And uh, Genuine's Pony, which is the album that took him to stardom, put the world on notice, and One Republic's Apologize. And that's just a few. I mean, this guy has unlimited amounts of songs that he's done and albums that just are big bangers. His work has credited him as, you know, the most established and one of the most iconic producers in the last 30 years. So I think that, as I mentioned, this guy is, this is an easy one today. Yeah, it's For, very easy. indeed. <laughs> at this point, I want you to tell me who it is. But before you do, why don't you walk me through what gave it away for you? Maybe it was after when you mentioned that he was uh, related to Pharrell Williams, because that <laughs> narrowed things down. Wow. And the next clue was about the collaborators he had over the years. And that was when I was certain. Okay, so... Yeah, it's indeed that guy. All right, all right. So, Mr. Liu, go ahead and spill the beans for us, man. <laughs> Who is okay. it? Actually, I had a really good line that I was going to say before <laughs> I reveal his name. But then you mentioned Justin Timberlake and Sexy Back. So that kind of stole my thunder a little bit. Because the original <laughs> sentence I had in mind was, Okay, so this was the guy who helped Justin Timberlake bring Sexy Back. Mm, right? Yes, sir. So his name is... Timberland. <laughs> I'm just glad I did mess this one up. Oh, man. I could just imagine if I got this wrong, oh, man, you be... <laughs> are going to tease me mercilessly <laughs> till the end of time. That's right. That's right. Multi-platinum Grammy Award winning super producer and artist Timberland is one of the greatest minds in music history. With more top 10 hits than Elvis Presley or the Beatles, he's taught the world to say it with sound. 
He's famously done work with Missy Elliott, as I mentioned before, Genuine Magoo, which is his high school friend that he worked together with and made a, his first uh, few albums with, and a lot of others, Playa, Aliyah, and his two Shock Value albums were fire. I mean, I listened to them from front to back, both albums, and he collaborated with so many people, so many genres. He worked with Chris Cornell and his album Scream, and that was the, the fact that I kind of held from you earlier because I felt that you would know who that was. But yeah, this guy is an amazing, a marvel in music, beat making, and I'm just happy that I'm alive to witness some of the music that, um, you know, growing up, being able to hear his tracks. Yeah. Actually, here's one extra little fact for you. He got really famous and popular in China after he did that remix version of Apologize. Mmm, really? Okay. So that was around shock value. Yeah, I mean, before for me, it was um, I should probably say The Bachelor with Genuine. When oh, I first okay. heard that pony and then it was like at that time, it was like, oh, this Genuine guy, he's got great music. But then you find out that it's Timberland. Oh, that's all Timberland. You're right. Like, yeah, that's 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 what's up. As I mentioned, he's done so much music and it's really hard to find a couple of tracks that represent his work. But I got a couple of tracks that I will share from this um, producer. First up is from my dearly departed Aliyah. Ooh, I thought you were going to mention her. Yeah, because <laughs> she was your crush, right? Yeah, I was in love with her back in the day. And they made beautiful music together. And there was one single that she had that he produced called Are You That Somebody? And that will be followed by Nelly Furtado's Say It Right, produced by Timberland. Check it out. Uh, Here we go. Can y'all really feel me, baby girl? East Coast feel me. Uh-huh. West Coast feel me. Can you feel us? Dirty South. Dirty, dirty. Can y'all really feel me? Feel it. East Coast feel me. Say what? West Coast feel me. Uh-huh. Dirty South. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Can y'all really feel me? I got to pick up the East Coast feel me. Uh-huh. West Coast feel me. Uh-huh. Boy, I've been watching you like the hope in the sky. If we keep open heads and know that one of these days We gon' go get up while they talk on the phone But she, I don't know if that's good I've been holding back this secret from you I probably shouldn't tell it If I let you know You can go by, I do my go Are you responsible?
What you gon' play round my way? Uh huh. Man, listen to what I gotta say. Uh huh. Simple plan. Don't you know I am the man? Rock shows here the gents pay. Uh. Have people shaking, shaking my hand. Uh. Hey, girl. Better known as I leave. Give me goosebumps and hot beats. Make a play haters believe us. Don't you know? Gotta tell somebody. Cause I really need somebody. Uh. Tell me I got somebody. What?
and that was Say It Right by Nelly Furtado featuring Timberland. Love that song. I mean, that beat is just, it's its addicting. Like every time I hear this song, it just takes me to a different place. I'm not even someone who really likes going to the club, mm. but I hear this song and it just makes me want to, you know, dance. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The music, his beats just get right into your soul and it just, it just hits and I yeah. love it. I have to agree with that 100%. I mean, I wasn't really a Nelly Furtado fan. I have to be honest. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> no, not really. I wasn't really impressed with her first album. People, please don't hate me if you are a fan. <laughs> but after these two hooked up, I became a Nelly Furtado fan. Seriously, yeah. like I am super, super to this day in love with "Say It Right," the beats and also the melody and also the Timbaland sound. The Timbaland, making, the Timbaland element. Yeah. yeah, it's just so unique. It's really hard to say, like. You know, there's this controversy, I think, in music where it's like, okay, this person's not really a good musician. And I'm not talking about Nelly Furtado here. I'm just in general. Do you have musicians who it's questionable their ability to sing and, and their talent in that realm? But if you put them next to someone who can just make phenomenal beats and then you have this wonderful song, is it the musician themselves or is it the producer? You know, it's like you can't really have one without the other. You can have a great beat and that's good. But is it going to sell like millions and millions of records? And is it going to go across the world as it normally does without that musician? But at the same time, if that musician doesn't have that sound, mm. then you probably would, would never have heard of them. You know right. what I mean? So it's just it's weird how that works. But Timberland, for sure, there's been lots of artists that I've heard their music while they were together when he was producing music for them. And it was just dynamite. And I know that's a really old term. That's what they said in the 70s. You know, <laughs> dynamite. But it was just it's amazing. But then. And I've also listened to their music when they have separated from Timberland and it sounds very different and it doesn't have that same fire to it. So it's just, I don't know how he's somebody that he can work magic with pretty much anyone. But when you leave him, it's still kind of hard to keep that steam. Yeah, I definitely think that's right. I think there's uh, this other great producer who also happens to be a rapper. Mm. I would put him in the same category, and that is Dr. Dre. Mm. Um, I have listened to some of the tracks that he collaborated with other people he produced, yeah. and I think the the end result was certainly better than if that artist was without him. So yeah, yeah, you same, got a point. Yeah. You got a point. There are some exceptions. I, I mean, I loved hip hop back in the 90s. So there's a lot of rappers that I've, I've heard and all of that, that I can agree with you there. But there are some that are exceptional that can, that did well before Dre and after Dre. So I could say that uh, this certainly applies for a lot of really good producers. Um, but anyway, off of my artist now, let's, move <laughs> <on>. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about yours. So Mr. Liu, who do you have for us today? Okay. Uh, like I said, this is my idol, all-time favorite. Okay. So he obviously means a lot to me, but I don't think that just applies to me. I think he means a lot to an entire generation of Chinese music fans. Wow. So let's right. get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's get cracking. Before we get started, I just want everybody to know that all the statistics and all the interesting trivia today about this artist comes from Baidu Baike mm. and also Wikipedia. And in particular, there are some interesting stories that are also from interviews I see of him doing in person. All right, all right. 
So this singer had one of the most amazing life stories ever. So not just music stories, but life stories ever. Those are my favorite. All right. Both his parents were actors in Taiwan back in the day. Okay. His father signed a contract with Shaw Brothers Pictures. Oh, the legendary Shaw Brothers. Yes. What? Okay. Was he a kung fu artist? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And started working in Hong Kong afterward.、Oh, and、man. because of that, people generally thought of his father as a Hong Kong movie star.、Mm. Obviously, the father had a great career in Hong Kong, and that was why the son practically grew up on film sets. Nice. <laughs> also, because of that, he was noticed by the right people at the right time. Yep. And he had some minor roles in lots of films.、So、That's he, awesome. So he quickly became a child star. You see, lots of child stars got into all kinds of trouble when they grew up because they had to face unbelievable stress brought on by early fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But that was not the case for this person. His misery mostly had to do with his family. For one thing, his parents got divorced when he was only twelve,、mm. and that left a deep scar on his psyche. Yeah, divorce has a tendency to do that. I'm a child of divorce, so I can kind of identify with how that can just really up into your life at that time. Yeah, that wasn't even the worst part, because after they got divorced, they put him in a boarding school and、mm. just basically left him there.、Mm. And at one point, he even had to do a cleaning job just to make sure he had enough money to pay、uh, his tuitions. That's kind of interesting. With his father being an actor, you would think that there's a lot of money there. And him actually doing roles as well. So, like, where the money go? That must have been a really bad situation. Yeah, it was really bad to the point that he wrote a song called "The Kid Is Crying" when he was 14 years old,、mm. and that was his earliest、uh, songwriting experience. And interestingly enough, this song also ended up on one of his albums later. Interesting. You know, it's like people don't write songs when they're happy. You know what I mean? Have you ever figured that out? It just sounds like with most of the artists that we do, most of these guys, they when they're in the, the lowest pit of their lives, that's when they just pick up a pen. I mean, which is better than picking up something else, right? And just really write down what you know is in, in their hearts. And yeah, the kid is crying. That's. I, I would like to hear kind of what that song did. He didn't sing it at that age, did he? Um, I think he sang it while he was writing the whole song.、Mm, so like. Didn't record like a version of it at that right. age. Okay. okay. He, but he did record it after he became famous, and this probably was the song on his second or third album. Oh wow.、Mm-hmm. Okay. And the tragedy just kept coming. Oh man, it <laughs> and that's doesn't why, get better from here.、Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably why he was so prolific in terms of songwriting. All right. Like you said. Sad experiences really inspire people.、Mm. So when he was in his high school, he had his first girlfriend. Okay, and, and that girlfriend was half American and half French. Okay. So one summer vacation, she went back to the states for the summer vacation, obviously. Right. And then when the new semester started, she never showed up never again. Never came back.、Mm-hmm. Oh man, she pulled that on him. That's that's cold blooded. I'm not sure. Wait. I, mean, I don't know if that was something that she intended to do or if that was you know it just. But yeah, that's that's cold. <laughs> Wait, you jumped the gun. <laughs> Did I? That was not the true story at all. She she never came back. So back in those days, obviously. There was no email, no WeChat or anything like that. So he、mm. had to actually make international phone calls. 
Right. And then he got this terrible news. She didn't show up because she was in a car accident,、oh, and unfortunately,、man. she didn't make it through. In、Jeez. the end, so he lost her forever, and that was such a traumatic experience. Of course, the first love is like, especially at that age, <laughs> and that's that's intense. Not not only that, because you know, with his family situation, he had no family support. Yeah, and he was also having a hard time in school because he was bullied, verbally attacked by、oh. one of his professors, no less. Jeez. So his From girlfriend. Yeah. So his girlfriend was almost like his entire support system, and、mm. then she died. So just imagine that. So of course, that experience inspired another song,、mm. and this became one of his best-known songs, just iconic. Yeah, I, I, I cannot name. And you the can't song name it、huh? <laughs> <laughs> because it would be too obvious. But I can tell you that the name of the song, of course, is a female name, but、mm. it's not the real name of his girlfriend. Oh man! You know what? This story, and it's these stories that I feel are captivating for me because out of all the stars that we've done, I feel like I remember a guy named Chiching. Chiching, yeah. I remember him the most because his story, and there were things that happened to him that was really unconventional. And so, and I, I feel like this artist that you're talking about now, so far, I mean, it just sounds like he's come from a really, really tough and very exceptional as well background, and I'm just. I feel for him. I mean,、mm. you know, this is this is heavy. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned Chi Ching because at one point this star and Chi Ching were the two biggest stars in Taiwan. Period. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I think their their peak time was about the same time. Okay. Like I said, he's got one of the most amazing life stories ever. So his girlfriend's death was not even the half of it. Oh my God, he's, he's getting worse. <laughs> I mean, I thought that this guy hit rock bottom already, but it just seems like this this bottom just keeps dropping, sinking lower and lower. Yeah. So because he lacked parental love and he always craved this unconditional love and he craved a, a complete family,、mm. so it was understandable that he got married really young. Mm-hmm. His first marriage was actually when he was only 19 years old. Wow! But after he got married and they quickly had a daughter, he had to、uh, go to the military、oh, for a few years. Okay. But when he was back, his wife was gone. Oh, she left him too. Yeah. So,、mm. so obviously, this wife's mother never liked him all that much.、Mm. So she kept nagging her and saying things like, "Oh, you deserve better. He's a loser. You should find somebody else, and you should just leave already." You know, things of that nature. So maybe she was just tired of her mother's、uh, yeah that pressure incessant pressure, or maybe she just didn't like him all that much to begin with. She left, and she never came back. Wow! And he had to raise the daughter on his own. She left the daughter. Own. Yeah. She she didn't even take the daughter with no, her. No, she didn't. Jeez. <laughs> she put her in a, a boarding school too. Uh, not sure about that. <laughs> But he had to raise her.、Uh, he has to raise their daughter on his own. And because of that, he took on so many jobs. That was one of the darkest periods in his life, and he had to take on、Are、so、sure? many different jobs. I think he's had a few others. I don't know. That was- <laughs> 
I'm just saying, it just seems like he's got a lot of dark moments in his yeah, life. That's true. But anyway, just to make ends meet and to raise his daughter, he worked as a Taekwondo instructor. Oh, cool. Ice skating coach. Wow. Taxi driver, delivery guy, waiter, bartender, and cook. Wow, that is incredible. And I'm sure he's probably three of those at least at the same time. Mm -hmm. I could see him kicking people in the morning and then ice skating in the afternoon and driving people <laughs> home while he goes home. You know, that's that's crazy. But that's something that parents will do for their, for their kids. It's amazing what, you know, human beings can do to make ends meet for their family. At one point, he, he did four jobs in one day. Man. That's how he hustled. <laughs> yeah. And here's one of my favorite sob stories. Um, at his lowest point, he had enough money to buy just one bowl of noodles for both him and his daughter. And obviously, there was only one egg mm. in that bowl of noodles. And he left that egg to his daughter. But his daughter said, Daddy, let's split this egg. Oh, so wow. she cut it in half and they both had the egg. That was my favorite soft story. Wow. Yeah, that is... I, I'm speechless, man. It's like this person should have a movie about their life and it should, you know, inspire people to just be better human beings. Yeah, totally. I've been saying that for years. And as the stories go on, I'm sure you will only agree with that more. Oh, no. So here's, <laughs> oh, no. So here's the next chapter. This singer fell in love with his second wife while they were shooting a music video together. Mm. And they got married in 1993. And unfortunately, again, this time around, the marriage didn't last. It ended four years later in 1997. So I guess he came a long way from sharing that one egg and he's got into music and he's he's doing his thing, huh? Yeah. Nice. So what's special about this marriage is that um, during that period of time, he had a really bad relationship with the Hong Kong press mm. because he was one of those like honest to a fault guys. <laughs> and he just didn't like the paparazzi culture in Hong Kong. Mm. So he always told it like it was. <laughs> and that was, why, that was why he didn't have a very good relationship with the press. And that was also why they were so willing to report anything negative, whether it was true or not true. Mm. So during the custody battle, of course, they just kept dumping on him. And that affected his chance. So in the end, the judge ruled that the son went to the mother and yeah. he could no longer have access. She got full custody mm -hmm. of his son. He could no longer have access to the son and, and he could only visit him when the mother said yes. Mm. And because the divorce was kind of ugly, yeah. he didn't get the yes. And so for an extended period of time, actually as long as 10 years, wow. he did not get to say one single thing to his son and he could only look at him from afar. Mm. And that inspired another song. I bet. Yeah, that, that song is very sad. It's called, When I Get Old, Will You Still Love Me? That sounds a little bit like uh, Eric Clapton, but you know, obviously Eric Clapton's story is a little bit different. But, mm, yeah. Tears of Heaven. Yeah, Tears of Heaven, yeah. Wow, that's, that's heavy. <laughs> Jeez, this is the heaviest story for any musician that I've ever encountered so far. Yeah, you would think nothing worse could happen to the singer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would be wrong. <laughs> now this question <laughs> makes me feel like there's more coming. I'm just waiting for, because they have an expression like uh, in, in China, right? When bad things happen, 
then that means, or the the heavier the um, the problem is, that just means that you're going to go the opposite direction mm. in a uh, in a short period of time, right? Yeah, I'm waiting for that to happen. I mean, I know he's a musician, but it just sounds like there's a lot of other things that are just falling apart. True, I I swear he has got a great music career, but like I said, he's got one of the most amazing live stories. That's why I have been telling his live story. Mm. Okay, this next bit. Is really really incredible. So, in case you wonder, is it really true? I first saw this from an interview he did with Lu Yu. Lu Yu is a very famous Chinese TV host, and she is dubbed the Chinese version of Oprah.、Mm. So, I first saw this interview on a date with Lu Yu in the early 2010s. Okay, awesome. So in 1999, he made a comeback in the Hong Kong music industry and signed a recording contract with Emperor Entertainment Group. Things were really great、uh, at first, and he got a second wind of popularity, so to speak. Okay. But apparently, certain people were not happy to see him on top of charts and to see him successful again. Haters. <laughs> and that's when they hired someone to destroy him. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I'm not kidding. Wow. So they hired a so-called assistant, and that assistant put something in the singer's wine. Oh my goodness! So he could have died, but thank goodness he was not drunk. So he quickly realized that the drink just didn't smell right and didn't taste right. So he stopped drinking immediately,、mm. and later it was confirmed that it was drugged. With poison. Wow! And they didn't find out who did it. Well, I mean, if we're talking about it now, they must have found out that someone paid somebody to do that. That is incredible. I'm wondering who paid, who hired. I mean, was this like a another record company or a musician or that? I mean, I didn't realize that music, this you know, the music industry would go to this extent to shutter、uh, a competitor. I mean, it's, it's music, right? I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, geez, this、yes. is like this is like straight gangster. Yeah. I know, <laughs> like the Godfather stuff. Yeah, like like one of those rappers in the states where、yeah. they got into fuse and then somebody ended ended up dying. But this、right? is still at a I don't know. For me, it's more organized. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah, but anyway, he didn't die, thank goodness. But still, because he did drink that wine,、mm. his vocal cords were just completely damaged. And he could never have his voice back because back in the day he used to have one of the best voices in Chinese pop music. Period.、Mm. He was said to have been one of the very few men who could hit high C, whatever that meant. Okay. Uh huh. So he's got a a pretty sweet falsetto.、Mm-hmm. Okay. So even though he didn't die, his voice was completely gone, and finally he had to formally retire in 2017 because he was no longer able to sing like he normally. Could wow! And when did this happen with the、uh, the poisoning? What year?、Uh, he didn't specifically say what year, but it should have been somewhere around two thousands. Okay. So his last few albums were just very hard to listen to because of that.、Mm. So I would just listen to his older records、wow. and <laughs> forget about the last few. <laughs> It's too bad. Yeah, I know that sounds like I, I'm not a real fan, but trust me, <laughs> I'm a real fan. I didn't listen to the last few. Albums only because his voice was completely ruined, and I want to keep like the best memories alive. That's why I, I don't listen to the last few albums. 
Jeez. Okay. Yeah. So, like I said, he's got one of the most amazing life stories, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a warrior. Yeah. I mean, it seems like everything that could have happened to someone has happened to him, and he's still here. Still, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, you say you retired, but I mean, it still doesn't mean that the, the fight is over.、Hmm. But it's not all doom and gloom. Let's talk about his music career for change. All right, all right. So this singer has had a hugely successful career. He released his debut Mandarin album in 1987.、Mm. So that was more than 35 years ago.、Mm. Yeah, roughly 35 years ago, and he immediately became a phenomenon. It sold over 500,000 copies in Taiwan, as you know they had only 18 million people in Taiwan、yeah. around that time. So this is like one in 36 people had that album. Wow. And in 1988, he had his debut Cantonese album, and that also immediately became a phenomenon.、Mm. And、um, during the early 1990s, he was the only one who could challenge the Four Heavenly Kings in Hong Kong in terms of popularity. Okay, and now we're talking about、uh, Aaron Kwok. We're talking about Leon Lai and these guys. Yeah,、right? Andy Lau and Jackie Chan. Okay, the only one that can challenge them, huh? Yeah. Jeez, all right. Interestingly enough. They had a four heavenly kings in Taiwan as well. Okay,、so、a Taiwan version, and of course he was on that list. <laughs> and Chi Ching was also、clue. on that list. That's a big clue. Yeah, that was a big clue. Oh man. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that certainly gets the、uh, the brain firing off right now. I mean,、mm -hmm. I did do a little bit of research before this show, but I'm not sure. Exactly, you know. I mean, that's that's a one in four chance right there. <laughs> yeah, and this is really amazing. To this day, he remains one of the very few artists from Taiwan to break into the Hong Kong market, with four years of chart-topping record sales. Wow! And at one point, his songs were so ubiquitous, like everybody in Hong Kong knew who he was and could sing. His songs, because his songs were also used by TVB series a lot,、mm. and TVB series was like the de facto TV series channel in Hong Kong, so everybody watched that. Wow! And it's not just in Hong Kong or in Taiwan. He, I think, he is well loved in other parts of the world where people speak Mandarin or Cantonese or both. Okay. So basically, he is a legend as long as anybody speaks Chinese. I mean, they love him. I don't think that's an exaggeration. All right. Jeez. Okay. Mm, I feel like now I, I think I should definitely have a decent answer for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should because he also has a dedicated fan base in overseas Chinese communities as well, especially in the United States,、mm. Canada, Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, and Thailand. Dang. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you think you have the answer, or do you need more clues? You know what? I think I might need a thirty-second window to open my phone for a minute and see if I could figure out who this person is. <laughs> okay, actually, I got one more clue for you. And、right. This is music-related. This singer actually released the first ever single in Taiwan. So apparently, back in the day, they just didn't do singles in Taiwan.、Mm. And because of the record labels pushing, he ended up having the first ever single in Taiwan, and that made history. And that single also happened to be very popular here on the Chinese mainland. And he got invited to the Spring Festival Gala the next year、mm. and sang that song. Wow. Okay. And it's only fitting because that song is called "Going Home." 
going home. Huh. Okay. <laughs> well, that would certainly help to find out who this person is. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. So, do you still need to use? I think that the that's, internet. I'm gonna need the internet because you know, for me, I I need a little bit more help here because, as I mentioned before, four kings of Taiwan. Um, there's four of them. I gotta make sure I get the first one right. So, all right. Give okay. Me a second here. All right. Here it goes. Thirty seconds. Uh, twenty. The internet here is awful. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like an excuse. <laughs> Ten, five, four, three, two, one. Time's up. <laughs> Do you have a name yet? Uh, well. The only one that I had time to find was、um, a few names came up, but I'm not sure if、uh, this person is that individual. So,、uh, <laughs> I really don't want to get this wrong. <laughs>、uh, no worries. All right. So, when I was looking it up, I found that、uh, there were four Taiwanese kings. I'm completely new to this person's story. You know the type of life that they lived, and also, of course, as an American, I don't think that I was able to listen to or had the privilege to listen to any of this guy's music.、Uh, but some of the names that came up, I can only give one, and so I see one here that says Jiang Zhifeng. This guy is a singer, songwriter, and well known for many songs that he had written in Taiwan. And so I'm gonna run with this name. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's right. But I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> so, uh, that's interesting. Uh, what did you say, Jiang Zhifeng? Jiang Zhifeng. That's what it says here. Okay, I've never heard of that、oh. name before. <laughs> so it's definitely not the correct answer. Definitely not the legend we're talking about here. Oh, that's unfortunate. All right, man. So who is it? Okay, so the answer is. Dave Wong, Wang Jie. Oh, that's so much easier. <laughs> Dave Wong, even as an English name. Oh man. So Dave Wong, obviously, like I said, is a legendary singer. He is also an actor, a music producer, and he is partially a movie maker as well. Well, thank you so much for sharing this amazing actor and musician, and I'm really looking forward to his music. I mean, what what songs do you have for us today? Because he has so many great songs, yeah, and because we have limited time, yeah, <laughs> I had to pick two out of such a long list,、mm. and these two are the ones that I end up with. The first one is. Do I really have nothing?、Mm, okay, <laughs> doesn't that go that really well with、volumes. his life stories? Absolutely. And the second one is going home. Going home. All right, all right. Well, Liu Yan, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Pop Muse, and thank you for sharing this special musician that's close to your heart. And hopefully, after listening to his music, and definitely after hearing his story, I'm thinking that this guy will have a connection with me as well. So, thank you so much for that. For those of you listening, we hope you enjoyed this episode, this special episode of Pop Muse, and we're looking forward to coming back with another musician to fill you guys in on. I'm TJ Reed. I'm No Yan, and also I have to thank you for giving me the opportunity <laughs> to do this fun episode. Most deaf, most deaf, brother. All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Peace.
去未来的像一场梦境，痛苦的美丽留给孤独的自己，未知的旋律又响起。